0: This is host Raymond Posh. No new episodes are being added under Our Spiritual Life, but all 108 episodes will remain accessible. My new episodes are all being published under My New Ways of Being podcast. You can learn about me and new ways of being at RaymondPosh.com. Welcome to the Our Spiritual Life podcast, in which I and others discuss how we, individually and collectively, can live more fulfilling, creative, and powerful lives through spiritual growth and awakening. I'm Raymond Posh, your host, and I want these conversations to support and empower our spiritual life together. I'm a spiritual teacher, coach, and folk singer. To learn more, see RaymondPosh.com. Welcome, listening audience, to another episode of Our Spiritual Life. And uh, with me today, I am really proud to uh, tell you that I have Christian De la Huerta. Uh, he is um, a longtime coach. A spiritual teacher. I know he's the author of one book because I've seen that book, and uh, but he may be an author of more books than that. <laughs> so we're going to find out about this, but uh, yeah, what he talks about in his uh, new book, Awakening the Soul of Power, has a lot of aspects to it that I think we need to talk about, and that's what we're going to get into somewhat today. Uh, We may go off in some other directions as well. Who knows? But uh, yeah, welcome Christian. How are you today?
1: Thank you so much, Ray. I'm I'm doing well and I'm really happy to be here in conversation with you. Good, good.
0: As you may know, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, I uh, get right into it by asking my guests to tell the audience about themselves. So uh, yeah, take a few minutes and uh, do that. What you're doing now, and you know what got you into what you're doing, and and then we'll go from there.
1: Well, the short version of it is, I was I was born in Cuba. I lived there for my first ten years of life. Came to the U.S. without speaking a word of English, which was not a fun process. I got to tell you. Yep. Um, studied psychology um, and. For the last thirty years or so, I've been uh, doing retreats, workshops, um, life coaching, um, focused on different themes like relationships, conscious relationships, uh, personal empowerment, women's empowerment specifically, life purpose, what it means to live heroically, and and other themes like that.
0: Well, you you said some things there that I that I want to uh, dig into, uh, and. But uh, let's start by having you tell us a, a little bit about your book. And because uh, I know that's a, that's a big focus, but I know you do a lot of coaching and you do uh, some travel related stuff. I, you know, you're, recently I've, I've interviewed several different people who talk about adventures. and it sounds like you get into some adventures too, and the hero's <laughs> journey. Yeah, uh, tell us quickly about your book, and then we'll jump right in.
1: Thank you, um, Ray. Yeah, the book is titled Awakening the Soul of Power, and it talks about how do we step into power in a way that's not about hierarchy, control, fear, force, domination, manipulation, How do we step into power in a way that doesn't require that we push anybody down, step on them, squelch them in order for us to feel powerful? And and what I've discovered over the many, many years of working with people is that I I think most of us have a conflicted relationship to power. Part of us wants it, part of us is afraid of it. And I think, Ray, what we fear is that if we really stepped into all our power, if we really did all of who we are, that other people wouldn't be able to handle it. And that we might end up rejected and alone. And it doesn't sound like fun. Yeah. So when you add to that, that we've also been conditioned to believe that power is a bad thing. You know, with quotes like power corrupts mm-hmm. and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right. And who wants to be corrupted? Right. But what they didn't tell us about that quote is that Lord Acton was speaking specifically about political power. Not personal power. Mm -hmm. So when you add to the mix the fact that we've also been conditioned, especially as men, but all of us have, to run away from the emotions, we have labeled the emotions weakness. We hate conflict. We avoid confrontation. When you put all that stuff together, what happens is that we end up giving away our power, our innate, inherent power that no one can give to us, no one can take it away. We are the only ones who give it away. And the saddest part is the reasons for which we give it away. We we end up saying yes when inside we really feel like no. We right. we play small, we hide our light under a bushel so that so as to not rock the boat. And we settle for crumbs. We settle for an illusion of security and for a false sense of acceptance. And so what this book guides the reader through by the hand is like. How do we do this? How do we step into power in a different way? That doesn't have to be about power over and squelching overs, but power with, that is not threatened by other people having power.
0: Yeah, you reminded me of uh, something that Marianne Williamson said uh, many years ago. And I, th- I think it was, um, it, maybe it was in her book, Return to Love. But you know she talked about that very thing. So many of us play small, you know, yeah. and I, I that's yeah something that I I have dealt with too. And, you know, it's it's easy to hold back uh so often.
1: Yeah, I know exactly the quote. In fact I referenced that quote in the book. And, and well, it is from uh, Return to Love, yes.
0: And that's that's a great book too. I uh I got so much out of that book. Uh I'm you're yeah. reading your book now and uh haven't read it all yet. But you know, I um, I've gotten into it enough to see some very interesting things. I you know I didn't know what to expect, but I love the way that you really uh, structured your book uh, around issues that uh, probably most people deal with.
1: You mm-hmm. know,
0: and except probably not too many people really. Experience the call to be a hero, per se, you know, and, and, and in the early part of the book, you open that up and, and do say, you know, it's time to be called to be a hero. Um, yeah, so what do you mean when you say a hero and particularly related to today in, in this world?
1: Yeah, that's and that's a great question, uh, because I think a lot of us struggle, in the same way that we struggle with issues around power, we also struggle with owning that word heroism, and the same way that many of us, like I did, struggle with words like teacher or healer, um, and, you know, up like most of us, when we think of that word hero, most of us will think of a superhero, like a Wonder Woman, a Superman, <laughs> uh-huh. um, or maybe we'll think of a, of a warrior or a first responder, the people who actually place their lives at risk for the sake of somebody else. So most of us haven't done that. So it's easy for us to just project that outside and reject it and admire in others, but never be able to see it. One of the ways in which the pandemic has served us is, is that it's had a stretch, that definition of what heroism means. So now we include our medical practitioners, right. our doctors, our nurses, our respiratory therapists. I would even include delivery people and grocery store clerks who literally made huge sacrifices and in some cases put their lives at risk to keep the rest of us alive and fed and supplied Um, And so, but then that begs the question, what about the rest of us? So this book expands that definition of what it means to live heroically in the 21st century. You know, at a time when most of us don't have a horse hitched outside or the armor or the demons to slay, except the ones inside of our own heads. And, And so that's the level in which I speak about heroism. And so, you know, going through life, buffeted by life's ups and downs and by life's curveballs, reacting, uh, projecting onto other people, or, uh, blaming other people for our situations and our right. pro- and problems, judging each other, being so defensive, um, getting stuck in, in, vi- in the victim mindset. Anybody can do that. To choose the higher road and to choose different ways of being, it's, to me, it's nothing short of heroic. Like just take one of those examples to react when somebody does something that hurt us or that we interpret it as, as, as betrayal or, or whatever that, that caused us pain. Anybody can react and inflict pain on somebody else. We've all done that. Right. To take a pause, take a deep breath and feel the ouch of that and choose right rather than just react, choose how we're going to respond to that given situation that to me it's it takes courage it takes a lot of presence and and it's and it's a form of being heroic because that's how ultimately we change the world one act and one person and one soul at a time right and i noticed uh somewhere you had said something about
0: reframing heroism in for the 21st century so i i think you've kind of covered that but but Say, say it again in a few words. What When you say reframe heroism for the
1: 21st century, how do we do that? Well, expanding it in a way that, that it's a way of living. You now, that may not look like a traditional hero that we have made up in our minds, you know, that, uh, a warrior or or a first responder, but that there are ways of living that are really heroic and no less heroic. And when I look at the times in which we live, you could say, like we're facing so many challenges right now, not just beginning with the environmental crisis, a global pandemic, increasing polarization, um, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, sometimes it feels to me like just to wake up with a positive attitude is that alone is heroic. And I think that's what the times are calling for us to be. We, you know, we're, These times we could say they're make it or break it. The planet will be fine. It might take a few million years, but life will continue in some form. Life will find homeostasis again because that's what it does. Right. I would even venture that consciousness will continue evolving. And who knows? Maybe right. it turns out to be an enlightened cockroach planet. Who knows? Whether we make it, hmm. Right. That's that's what's up for us because we're just now beginning to witness what we have unleashed on the environment. Of which the pandemic is a symptom of that. It's a symptom of our unhealthy relationship to, to nature. It's, it's out of balance. And so when I look at it from that perspective, when I look at one, any soul, any one of us, who has the slightest inkling, the slightest, the slightest suspicion that they have work to do as teachers, as healers, as podcasters, as activists for change, right? Um, like this is it as yep. far as I'm concerned this is the time that we've been waiting for uh,
0: uh well I, I like the way you answered that question and it, uh, and in doing so you've you said some words that uh, are very key for me uh, earlier when you talked to you know introduced yourself uh, you said something about that uh, you help people work on conscious relationships and i i think you know i'm very big right now about awakening and human evolution which you know is is especially the evolution of consciousness mm-hmm. and uh, you know and i and i think for what the world needs and and the way we need to participate that in that is uh, you you said that also you i mean you were saying you know we need to learn to live consciously and that mm-hmm. means more aware of ourselves, more aware of others, more aware of the world, yes. more aware of our uh, relationships and responsibilities and yes. what we can do or how, how can we, uh, you know, deal with, uh, you know, like you said, being attacked in a more conscious way instead of just responding with an attack in return Yes. No, there's more powerful ways of doing that. And I, yeah. and you get into that in, in your book, you, know, you talk about different, uh, kinds of issues in human living that, you know, that we need to handle better and, and learn to, uh, respond more powerfully to, and, uh, yeah, so, and in your book, a couple of the things that I noticed, you know, you have a whole part of the book that talks about those kinds of issues, and you have another whole part of the book that talks about how you can live more soulfully, or I think you talk, talk, talk about unsoulful paths or something like yes. that. But, uh, yes. yeah, all of that's so important, I think.
1: Yeah, and I love that you started, um, you speaking there with the word um, awareness. Because a lot of times people will ask me, well, what, how do I do that? How do I reinvent my relationship to power? How do I transform that? And to me, that's the first step is, is awareness, self-awareness, becoming aware of why we do the things we do. Uh, because if we can't see what we're doing, then there's absolutely nothing that we can do about it. So like understanding, for example, what what are our triggers, what is it Why is it that some people can say something and it really gets under our skin where it sure doesn't seem to be bothering people others at all or very much? So, so why is it that that certain things trigger us and others don't? Why is it that we get stuck in these patterns of relationships and behavior that sometimes Ray feel like like we're stuck in the same old, boring movie. Maybe with a different actor, a different co-lead, but it's the same old crap, same old arguments, (laughs) same old issues. And at some point we got to get real with ourselves and, you know, look at ourselves in the mirror realistically and and say, wait a minute, who is the one common denominator in every one of those relationships, in every one of those arguments. And it's right here. So why do we do things like that? And why do we allow ourselves to self-sabotage our relationships before we even get started by attracting by falling for people who are just not a match, you know, or maybe they're not available. They're already with somebody else, or they live on the opposite side of the country, or maybe they're just not there. So why do we do the things we do? And, and to me, that is step one.
0: I well, I agree with that totally. I've uh, I've talked about uh, the importance of self awareness often you know, and in, in various contexts, but um, yeah, in, in the coaching work I've done, I really, you know, kind of started with self-awareness and, uh, and actually stayed with self-awareness and, in and in, 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 in approaching it from many different angles. But,
1: uh, and I, I think that you do that as well. Yes. Yes. And, and extending that even to a relationship to power, like, one, one of the first steps that we can begin to ask ourselves, and it doesn't have, require an immediate answer, but it, be, it requires observing ourselves, like, like watching ourselves as we go through life and asking ourselves, okay, in what kind of situations do I tend to give my power away? Do I tend to override my my true feelings, my true beliefs, my preferences, my desires to keep you know a sense, a semblance of peace, or for because I'm seeking validation or approval or whatever the reason may be, right? right? So do I tend to do that in romantic, intimate, sexual settings, or do I perhaps tend to give my power away more easily and with where it comes to authority figures, parental figures, bosses, coaches, religious leaders, that type of thing? And nobody can answer that for us. Only right. we can do that, but it requires going through life. Consciously to go back to that word. Yes,
0: yes. uh, You know, I I don't know if you're aware of an organization called humanities Team.
1: I'm not. No.
0: Well, they're they're a big organization that's been around a long time, and uh, they are built around the premise of humanity has to learn to live more consciously Mm. and um, to understand that, you know, understanding oneness is so important and, and living that way. And it, you know, and of course that requires uh, awareness, self-awareness, just being more mindful, living consciously, you know, however you want to describe that, but all of those terms do apply. And, um, and just for you and for the listening audience, that's, that's a, um, you know, it's it's not a commercial type of organization. It's they're uh, really working hard to help oneness grow in the world. And they're pursuing an, an, a new initiative right now to really uh, pursue that more aggressively. Yeah, you ought to check them out. It's, I will. And I really appreciate it. You can find it leader. at humanitysteam.org.
1: Okay, I'll check them out. Yeah and, and because I think you're you're pointing to you know what the solution is like how do we dig ourselves out of this hole that we have collectively dug ourselves into and so I think about you know paraphrasing Einstein that you can't solve a problem right. from the same level of consciousness in which it was created right so when i look at the at the world and all the challenges that we're facing the only way out that i see it's nothing short of a leap in evolution, in conscious evolution. Right. A, a, a spiritual revolution, if you would. And a revolution that that has to shift the way we see ourselves, the way we perceive each other's and our connection, the way we relate to the earth. And that could all can be some summed up in the word that word oneness, that we're all interconnected in ways that we can't even that science hasn't quite right. been able to explain yet. And that's why I spent probably the first quarter, I mean, the first quarter of the book, talking about the ego mind, because the ego is, is what you were talking about as the the monkey mind. It's that false sense of illusion. It's that part of us, you know, the ego in Latin means I. So it's literally that sense of I-ness, that sense of individual separate personality, which is ultimately it's both, a huge leap in consciousness. As far as we know, we're the only species that has that sense of self. Right. Now, there's some theories about the dolphins and the whales and the higher primates and the elephants, whether they have a sense of who they are, but we don't really know. We're, we're extrapolating there uh, from observed behavior. So it's both a huge leap in consciousness to develop that sense of self. And it's also the source of all our suffering. Because once we have a sense of self, now we can have, now we can feel lonely. We can feel, we can have abandonment issues. We can have a sense of our own mortality. And I mean, there's so much to say about the ego. We don't have time to dive into it in this short conversation of ours, Uh, but it's critical. Like For anybody listening who, who wants to have the type of relationships that have a chance of working or to have a sense of personal empowerment or a life that is filled with meaning, with purpose, it's critical, critically important to understand the ego mind Mm -hmm. and how it works so that we can let ourselves out of its self-made prison of fear and lack and limitation and judgment and reactivity um, and victimization and projection and taking (laughs) everything personally, on and on and on and on.
0: I couldn't agree more. Uh, that, that's uh, key. You know, another another thing that I, I thought of uh, when when you were talking about uh, living consciously and, and conscious relationships, in particular, um, I focus a lot on the on awakening and uh, the process of awakening and 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 some of what that means. But you know, we also have to. I I don't know if you've heard. Like, I think it's Ken Wilber has talked about it and some other people have talked about not only do we need to wake up spiritually, we need to grow up also, (laughs) you know, and have a more world centric view and understanding of where we are relative to the world. You know, we, you know, we need so much more focus on cooperation and understanding and respect and kindness you know a world of constant attack is can do nothing but go downhill <laughs>
1: yeah and you know and you know the, the it goes back to that same conversation about the ego because that is the part of us that feels separate like the re, the reality is the truth is that we are star beings and this isn't just new agey poetic you know woo woo stuff it's scientific fact more than 99.9 percent of the atoms in our bodies are made are are the exact same atoms that are found in the stars and 60 percent of the hydrogen atoms in our body were present at the moment of the big bang i don't even get that i don't even understand that my mind can't wrap (laughs) itself around that but that's what it is and so that we are literally star beings we are literally made of star stuff and Mm. and if and if we start reconnecting with that sense of connection to all of it, you know, because much to the surprise of some humans, we're part of the cosmos. So we're ruled by the same principles that govern the stars. And, and that's part of the problem is that we, we, that's part of the reason we treat the planet the way that we do. It comes from that patriarchal uh, separate power over structure, right? right? So we treat the earth as something to like, sort of like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Right. Um, we, we rape, we pillage, we take what we want without even regard to our own survival and to the delicate interconnection of all life on this tiny, tiny, tiny pebble um, that keeps us alive as, as it hurdles through space at thousands of miles yeah. per hour. So when you
0: talk about soul power, um, how does that you know say say a bit more about how that contrasts with ego power and how uh, how true soul power you know what 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 is that and what does it look like?
1: Yeah and and so that's also one of the first steps in in transforming our relationship to power and healing it is realizing that there's different types of right. power. So I talk I write about in the book and I talk about worldly power or ego power, which is the way that the world, understands and relates to power so we tend to associate power with people who have what you know we all know money or fame or they're high up in some kind of you know hierarchy whether it's a corporate ladder or some institution but the thing about all those kinds of power those they're external they're outside of us and because of that they're fickle here today gone tomorrow the that kind of power that worldly power also has an agenda it always has an agenda. It's always trying to get something for itself, and it's always self-aggrandizing, like it's blowing itself up to seem way bigger than it is. Right. Com- contrast that with what I call spiritual power or soulful power, which is inside each and every one of us. Like we all have access to that, and it's 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 like what we were saying before. Nobody can give it to us. Nobody can take it away. We are the only ones who give it away. And it's humble. It's instead, rather than being about self-service, about you know having a, per, a personal agenda, it's about service. It's about making a difference in the world. And it's humble. Like it doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. It just is. And so I think of um, a Gandhi or a Gandalf, if you're a fan of the Lord of the Rings, in their simple monastic robes, their sandaled feet from looking at them. We'd never know how much power they hold until it's needed and then get out of the way. Gandhi brought the British empire to its knees when it was at its highest point in terms of global reach without ever shooting a gun or landing a single punch. That's power. And we all have access to that.
0: Yes. And that power is, uh, deep and it takes some inner work to really begin to understand it and find it you know yes yeah uh, because it's it you know like with like with gandhi or others uh until you see them do something uh, use that power in the world you don't you don't see that hidden power that is really so deep and powerful.
1: That that is that is true, and that's why it's also heroic. That's another way to look at it, right? To go through life, you know, just reacting to 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 life, um, and and numbing ourselves out like so many of us do. Like we're we're so brilliant at running away from ourselves, from our emotions, from the things that 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 have hurt us, right? So we numb out with substances, whether it's drugs or alcohol or food. Um, or whether it's gambling or social media or watching TV or shopping or workaholism, whatever it is, all these brilliant ways that we use to not think and to not feel. And it's not a very smart strategy because all that stuff we're running away from, it's not just going to go away. It doesn't, it festers under the surface and it only gets worse. And at some point you're going to have to pay the piper and deal with it. So you might as well do it sooner rather than later. So having the courage, because it takes courage, having the willingness to look inside and to face our fears, our self doubt, our inner demons. It's like to me, it's nothing short of heroic. Yes,
0: I recently had a woman guest on the show, and uh, and she talked about, you know, having to deal with uh, trauma that she had experienced. In her life, a lot of it having to do with men, uh, you know, not treating her well, and, and you know, and it's such a common thing. And you know, if if you talk about focusing on on coaching for women, I'm sure a part of that is that dealing with that kind of uh, trauma or that imbalance, yes, that, that comes.
1: Yes. Uh, without a doubt, I, without a doubt.
0: Yeah. So has uh, trauma been an issue that you've dealt with permanent permanent uh personally is what I'm trying to say uh uh and and then kind of connect us to uh you know what led you to write your book and and develop this story about that the
1: book tells Yes, I have dealt with personal trauma you know from Having been raised in, 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 a, in, a, in Cuba, in a, in a communist country for 10 years, and having been ostracized uh, from a young age, because well, as soon as you announced or your family announced that you, were, you requested a permission to leave, you were labeled um, a traitor to the revolution. And yeah. wow. even as little kids, we had teachers calling us gusanos, which means worms, wow. um, you know, I was, I was sexually abused coming to the US at age 10 without speaking a word of English. Talk about trauma and living in a, it's not an easy language to learn. And it was in a very rural environment in Georgia in which foreigners were not taken, you know, were not looked at kindly. Um, and so, but here's what I know that no matter what happened in our past, that there's a way to heal that because I can tell you that my adolescence was one long depression Mm. with suicidal fantasies and, and flash forward to today, like no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances of my life, whether a relationship works out or it doesn't, whether a project succeeds or it fails, never, ever, ever do I question my my self-worth. That is established and unshakable. And I know, Ray, if that can happen in me, that can happen in anybody. And yes, I'm not going to tell you it's easy. In fact, I say it's heroic, but it is so infinitely worthwhile, that heroic journey of of self-healing and transformation, because the reward for it is ultimately freedom, like freedom in the highest sense of the word and a sense of personal empowerment. Empowerment, meaning, purpose, peace of mind. Self doubt gets transmuted into self confidence. So it's yes, it's it's a heroic, effortful journey, and it requires the courage to look inside and face ourselves. But the rewards are infinitely worthwhile. Right, and we need more people talking about that. That
0: they're that we do have resources within us that give us power if we only can come to know them.
1: Yes. 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 And, and, and there's another piece of, of wisdom from you. That's the way the way out is in, right? Is like we can't continue running away from ourselves and expecting things to change. Mm-hmm. That the only way that we're going to heal ourselves and transform our lives and, and step into our personal power and express that fully in the world, it's like it's going within, discovering who we are. It's like that okay. self-awareness that we were talking about earlier. Yes. So um, you um, did
0: earlier on, you did mention that uh, 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 you, and, and maybe it was in the context of the book I'm trying to rec- recall now, but uh, that you have a particular message for women uh, tell us about that, because I know I have a lot of w- women listeners.
1: Good, good. Yeah, the book is for everybody, because I, we all struggle with power. We all have, we've all gotten stuck in power struggles. We've all given our power away, um, and most of us are still doing that. But it has a particular message for women, and that stems from my conviction that the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world is women's empowerment. And it's not to idealize women. It's not to put women up on a pedestal. Women also abuse power. Maybe not proportionally to men, but they do. And it's certainly not to give women more stuff that they have to clean up in this mess that we have collectively created. It's because as a species, we've been running so off kilter so off balance between the masculine and the feminine energies. And collectively we have mislabeled the feminine as weakness. And and, I mean, and there's so many layers about that. There are so many wrong assumptions about that. If you want to talk about power, courage, resilience, let's talk about the power of creation that lies in a female body. Right. And, And I think about, yeah, something that, that I read Betty White said, um, you know, who, who left us a few months ago. But apparently she was doing um, one of those group celebrity interviews and somebody said something about having balls and I hope I don't <laughs> offend anybody uh, listening or watching this. Um, but she said, well, wait a minute. Where do we get this association between courage and balls? Like you thump those little things and the guy bends over, collapses in pain. <laughs> You want to talk power? You want to talk courage? Let's talk vaginas. Those things take a pounding. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Get a little humor in here. Yes. Okay. And
1: yeah, I can, so, I can so see so Betty I, White
0: saying that. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: She's so um, incredible, so extraordinary, extraordinarily unique. But anyway. Seriously, now, uh, I believe that when women are in 50% of power in this world, because I don't believe we want to go back to a matriarchal system, right? Balance is what we need. Right. And, and starting with each and every one of us, we've got to find the balance between the masculine and the feminine inside each one of us if we expect to see that in the world. Yes. Um, and so when women are in 50% of power, I believe we're going to have a very different relationship to war and poverty and hunger and education, and social justice, how we treat the environment, to all of it. So for me, it, it's like a strategic approach. Like, what is one thing that we could focus on that is then going to impact everything else? And that's what I land on, women's empowerment. Hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. And, um, and understanding... Yeah, I, I recently had a show on... Uh, masculine and feminine archetypes. And and that, that was fascinating because uh, my guests talked about that in depth and how important it is for women to, you know, not feel that their only way to have some success or strength is by emulating the masculine. You yes. know, it, it re- does require rebalancing.
1: Yes. Yes. And and let's say, let's add something to, you know, to the men in the audience because this hierarchical power over patriarchal system that we've had for the last several thousand years, certainly hasn't worked for women. Of course it hasn't. And it also has not worked for men. Right. So let's look at some numbers that are really interesting. Um, Longevity. In the U.S., women outlive men by five years. You extend those numbers globally, it's seven years. Rate of suicide, and I only have numbers here for the U.S., but in the U.S., men commit suicide four times as frequently as women. In fact, 70% of the suicides in the U.S. are committed by middle-aged white men which is interesting because that's the group that still holds the majority of the power in the world. And so we would think, well, wait a minute, then they should be the happiest and the most successful and live the longest and the healthiest, but it's not the case. So what's going on there? And I think part of it is that we have this mistaken, misunderstanding, this limiting and limited perception of what it means to be a man. And so we feel like, you know, with, with like how many of us were, grew up believing little boys don't cry. Right. Right. Because we, we, we only little girls cry because that's supposed to be weakness. It's like, but it's so twisted. And and because also the, the emotions are neither strength nor weakness. They're not good. They're not bad. They're just energy. What used to be spiritual teaching that everything is energy. Now we know from quantum physics Everything is energy, and that includes the body, that includes the emotion. Energy cannot be destroyed. It can only change forms. So for all the time, and we all do this, but especially men, all those countless times that we have stuffed our feelings, that we have swallowed our emotions, that doesn't go away. Right. That gets stuck in the tissues of the body. And after years and decades and a lifetime of suppressing emotions, we walk around with layers upon layers upon layers of repressed emotional crap, which we then project onto each other. And here we are thinking we're having a relationship in the present and it's all getting filtered through that lifetime of suppressed emotions and unhealed past trauma. Yep. Like, yikes. I don't know how any relationships can work. And I I think that's part of the reason that it helps to explain the, the mortality rates among men is because we suppress emotions more and those energies have to come out one way or another. So what happens is we suppress, we suppress, we suppress. And then the next unfortunate one says something to us the wrong way and boom, volcanic eruption or suppress, suppress, suppress. Right. Right? And that energy begins to seep out and show up as physical symptoms, heart attacks, cancer, ulcers so we've got to get this we've got to heal a relationship to our emotions as well as a relationship to power
0: yeah oh all of what you said there is so significant um yeah and and you know we can look at it so many different ways i mean c- certainly repressed emotions are a huge issue you know if we look at um men and women uh, kind of at another l- level, um, women, I think, are much more naturally connected to their their soul than yes. men are, you know, certainly more connected to emotions, but actually yes. at a deeper level, more in touch with soul. You know, I, I found that uh, far more women are interested in spirituality and, and you know being more connected uh, than men are. And yeah, that's another sure. aspect of what uh, men deal with.
1: For sure. And, and I think even naturally so, like before we had the Gregorian calendar, we had a lunar calendar, right? Which, All which right. is perfectly reflects the women's cycles. Right. So I think women by nature are more deeply connected to their bodies and to nature. And I mean, I don't know for sure, but it was it sure, it sure wouldn't surprise me that part of the reason that we created a different calendar that popped us out of of the the more natural lunar cycles was to take that power away from women.
0: Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know the answer of, of how that evolved, but um, all right. Uh so. I noticed in your book that uh, you do have a section about that we do need to change, men need to change uh, how they define some of their relationship to life. You know, you talk about a more healthy masculine power. Yes. Yeah. Say a little bit more about that.
1: Well, it connects to those limiting definitions of what it means to be a man. You know, and the fact that we walk around like these uncaring, unfeeling robots, and there's a price to pay for that. Uh, So part of what I did in that chapter is take some of the traditional roles that men have played throughout history and upgrade them for our times because things are changing. Things are changing. Uh, So, for example, I, I think it was four years ago, they did a study where in 40% of heterosexual households in the US, women are earning more than men are. And more than 50% of college graduates are women. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So women are stepping into their power. Right. And they are reclaiming their power. One of the effects of that is like men who have traditionally seen themselves as the provider. That's part of what makes one a man. That's part of the identity of a man. It's like in many cases, and when you add to that robotics and computers and, and the globalization of jobs, the exporting of jobs, it's like a lot of men are beginning to like flounder and they're having an identity crisis. And that's one of the reasons why so many are looking backwards and looking at more authoritarian, less democratic systems. Of because they they want to go back to the way that it used to to be, yeah. Um, and so, and because they're looking right. for more,
0: I, I think you're right. I hadn't had I hadn't had that thought before. Of uh, you know, I have. I've wondered, you know, why this shift towards
1: authoritarianism. And it's so
0: far from where we should be.
1: I know. I know. I think, and I think it's also because people want. In, in times of dramatic, dramatic social change, like we're, what I think is going on, we're witnessing the end of the patriarchy. And and so we're witnessing systems that are no longer sustainable, just implode in right. front of our eyes. And that's scary. right? That's chaotic. That's a lot of uncertainty. So people have, in some number of people, they, they want to go backwards and have you know, like been, be told what's right and what's wrong and all the rules and, right. and, and have an authority authoritarian father figure telling, tell them what to do. Um, and so, so part of what I did is redefine it, right? Like, like how limiting and how sad to define you, who you are as a man, by the size of your paycheck, right? <laughs> how limiting. And so, how how else right so, that's what I did with all those different masculine roles like quote unquote that men have traditionally played. It's like all right, well, what else can we provide if it's not a, che- a paycheck? What about providing a safe space in your family, in your household, for your for your family, for your kids? How about being that rock where that gives everybody in the house permission to explore, to grow to be who they are, to discover who they are, and to express themselves to the fullest potential. That is infinitely so much more powerful than the size of a paycheck. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a, a little bit different perspective on that too. That uh, uh, So I, I retired uh, from a career in information technology a few years ago, and I've been... Uh, doing several different things, but I I decided what I really wanted to do is get back into my music, making music again. And I'm specifically and I grew up in the era of folk music, as well as early rock. And uh, I,
1: was, I was reading about you about that in your in your website about your yeah. relationship to folk oh food, is
0: it, yeah uh, so uh, yeah now I'm I'm uh, playing uh, folk music, uh, playing guitar, singing. For seniors and loving it, you know, and I'm not making lots of money at it, but I am absolutely loving it because there's such a powerful connection through music to, to a group of people, you know, our seniors that uh, need that kind of warm feeling that they get from the music they grow, grew up with. So. Yeah, it's fun. I, I, re- I love doing that.
1: <laughs> well, what I find so really beautiful about that is that you're giving expression not only to your creativity um, and to your talent and to your passion for music, but that you're also giving expression to service, like to making yes. a difference in pe- real people's lives and how beautiful is that? And how many more examples do we need that all the money and all the power in the world does not get us happiness. Like, sure, money can help. No question. So, what are we gonna give our energy to? Right. And where are we gonna get our sense of self? I suggest that it's not gonna be money and, and that kind of worldly power. That's not yeah. gonna get us the fulfillment that we really, really long for.
0: And that's something along the lines of uh the theme of your book and, and certainly kind of where your book. Ends. Uh, you you talk about you know we need people who are living living more worthy lives and, and stepping up to the call perhaps to be a hero uh, a leader in new ways. Um, expand on right. that a little bit, and then uh, um, we're soon going to be running out of time. So yeah, we'll take that to what you want to say to the the uh, listening audience.
1: Well I think I think it connects to purpose. Right and and one of the people whose work I reference is um Viktor Frankl, the Austrian psychiatrist who spent years in concentration camps. Right. Lost everything. Like not his property, his house, his practice, his family, his pregnant wife, all of it was taken away from him. And so being a psychiatrist, he started observing right? I mean, not a statistical study, but like just anecdotal, like noticing who, who seemed to survive in that most inhuman of settings. And the more that he observed it, what he noticed is that it had nothing to do with education or intelligence or wealth or socioeconomic status beforehand or where they came from or how beautiful or strength. None of that mattered in there. In that sense, it was a great equalizer that that opportunity, that experience. What seemed to matter—the people who seemed to survive—were the, the ones who had a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And so, for us to get clear, like like you are, right? Like, what 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 makes time stop for me? What gives me that sense of joy, uh, of meaning? Like, it's it's a crucial, critical journey. And connecting it to what we started talking about, the critical nature of the times in which we live. Like anybody listening to this who has the slightest inkling, the slightest suspicion that they have work to do as teachers, as healers, like we were saying before, as activists for change, this is it. This is the time. I'll say it again. This is the time that we've been waiting for, and we need you. All right. So
0: um for, for those people who you know, want to change something in their life to have more purpose or to uh, live true to their purpose, if they know what that is, you know, what would you say? What's the, you know, so see key things that uh, a person can do or a practice that they would have in their life that would help them
1: um, move in a positive direction. Go within, right? It goes back to that. Go within. Like we've we got to get to know ourselves and what turns us on spiritually, right? What what makes us come alive? And nobody can tell us that. Only life and only only that sense of intuition. Um, and and sometimes we get a lot of feedback from people, you know, who notice certain qualities in us. But we have to be aware. We have to be listening. We have to be looking for the signs. And. I also do retreats, you know, about life purpose and some of the questions that I would support people to ask themselves. It's like we've mentioned a couple is like what what is it that when you're doing that time stops? What gives you that sense of of meaning of bliss? Um here's a great question, how did how did you play as a child? I can't tell you how often in in retreats people will tell me um well, I used to I used to play school, you know. I used to put up all my stuffed animals, and and you know, sit up set set them up like in a classroom, and then they're teaching in some way. Maybe not traditional education, some are, but they're gravitated to that teacher role. So that's an interesting question to to ponder. Yes.
0: All right, yes. Christian. This has been an absolute pleasure having you here as a guest today. You've said so many. You've you shared so much wisdom in uh, this whole conversation, and uh, I hope the listening audience has uh, been paying attention to that. Uh, if they want to find out more about you, uh, what is the website you would send them to?
1: Well, thank you for asking that, and thank you for having me on the show, and I've really enjoyed the conversation. I think the wisdom was shared in a back-and-forth way, so I really enjoyed that. Um, in terms of where to find the book, wherever books are sold, so you can order it at your local bookstore. If you want to support them, you can also get it on Amazon in terms okay. of reaching me. Probably the best way is my, my website as you, as you guided me in the direction of, and that is soulfulpower.com S O U L P F U L. P-O-W-E-R, soulfulpower.com. From there, they can access my social media. And for any of your audience who will go to my website and get on my email list, and we all know how easy it is to click unsubscribe down the road if it doesn't work for you. But anybody who gets on my email list, we'll send them some gifts. We'll send them a sample chapter from the book. It's a list of, of power practices that are designed to integrate the teachings and apply them to our lives so that they don't stay at the level of information as you know Ray we don't need more information we've got information overload what we need is transformation Yes, and that comes from really living the, the teachings not just letting it be hypothetical interesting inspiring thoughts we've got to live this stuff and that's what those those Uh, questions on those practices are designed to do. And then finally, we'll send them a a short teaching and a recorded guided meditation that I created in the midst of the pandemic. And and it's about trust. So how do we step into trust in times of chaos and fear and uncertainty?
0: All right. Very good. So uh, listening audience, uh, take him up on that. Check that out. And again, thank you, Christian, for being with us today. You and my listening audience have a great day and a great life. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Our Spiritual Life podcast. I send you my love because together we can grow, awaken, and evolve to make a positive difference in the world. Learn more about what I do at raymondposh.com and posh is spelled p-o-s-c-h may you awaken grow in consciousness and experience many blessings